Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There are many things, aren't there, that unsettle us as Christians. And these few months that have just gone have brought loads of uncertainty into our lives. And there'll be much more ahead, I'm sure, um, as there's things like financial uncertainty for many people, uh, job cuts, uh, unemployment, that kind of thing. And being a Christian doesn't automatically mean we're invincible from these things, from these trials and difficulties. Pain and suffering comes to us. In fact, it's the opposite of escaping it. The Bible is full of promises like this one in 2 Timothy. It says this, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the promise is actually suffering even more because you're a Christian. And maybe you felt some of that already. The question we've got tonight is what will help you and what will keep you uh, as a Christian uh, when you're going through the hard times, when those trials come and bring uncertainty into your life? Peter, who's writing this letter of 1 Peter, has found that to be true. He was one of the 12 disciples. He had lots of opposition. Um, and actually, it's believed that he and his wife ended up in prison just before their execution. So Peter is the Christian who has suffered talking to scattered Christians who, in verse 6, if you look down at that, it says, have been grieved by various trials. So Peter's not the sort of armchair Christian who says, oh, I, I know it's really hard for you guys. Um, he, he has been through the mill. And he's speaking to Christians who, he says, have been grieved by various trials. What's he going to say to them? Well, first, let's see what the Christians faced. And um, we're only looking at this first chapter. So actually, um, the examples Peter gives are in the rest of his letter. And they suggest that they're, they're, they're facing nasty um, treatment under harsh, harsh employers. Um, the emotional pressure from their own family and friends that goes with that. Because if you think about it, um, when, when the going gets tough, non-Christians are going to say, why stick with Christianity? It seems to just be weighing you down. It seems to be bringing you more difficulty. Why not chuck it in? And on top of that, in chapter 4, verse 4, uh, there's the ridicule or scorn of not joining in and trying to live God's, God's way. Um, they think it odd that you do not join them in the, in the same things that they do. It's chapter 4, verse 4. 
So those are kind of some of the kind of things that the Christians uh, that P- Peter is writing to were, were facing, the trials that they'd been grieved by. And actually, it's worth seeing that in one shape or form, this, these are the same experiences for every Christian. Perhaps some of those sounded familiar to you. Perhaps the, the, the kind of questioning and uh, ridicule from, from friends or maybe even just uh, confusion from family about, about why, you, why you bother. But even if it doesn't fit you at the moment, there will be times coming when you'll face that trial as a Christian. It's guaranteed. And actually, if you if you kind of even just have a glance at the newspaper or whatever, um, and you see the kind of things that people are saying about the beliefs um, that are acceptable and, and are not acceptable in the world's eyes, you will know that actually Christians, it's only a matter of time before I end up in prison. And I'm not I'm not I'm not sort of being dramatic about that, because if I'm preaching the Bible and I'm t- teaching what the Bible says, then there'll be lots of people who say you just can't say that. You've got to stop. So trials for Christians is, is the norm. We see that around the world. And yet what will comfort and what will give them confidence and what will actually get them rejoicing, which is what we see in um, in this part of this chapter. What can do that? Um, I think it's why someone has described this paragraph, this opening intro to Peter's letter, as a vaccine rather than a cure. By that, I think he means uh, knowing who you are as a Christian and letting it sink in is actually an activity for the times before you face trials. So it's something we need all the time uh, and we need to have deep in us. Um, to draw upon when when we're going through the trials. I I don't think it's all that easy to do it when we've waited until the trial has hit and when we're in the mill, when we're in the middle of it. Because actually sometimes we, the truth, even though we know it's true, it just sounds a little bit um, like it's trivialising what we're going through. And so I think these are, these are, this identity as a Christian that we're going to see in a moment um, is something that needs to sink in today whether you're facing trials or not now it needs to be something that sinks in so let's look at it in verse three um, let me read verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead so in verse three we get the language of life In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. So the first thing we see that we have is a living hope. In verse 3, a living hope. We're reminded how this new life came about. It was given to us and from God in his mercy. It wasn't merited or what we did. It's what he gave to us. And it's spiritual new birth. We were dead in our sins and through faith he brought us to life uh, to see who he is and to have our sins forgiven. So the change 
Uh, what brought about this change is there too. It says through, how did it happen? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That was the one event, the one single thing that brought about this new birth for, for Christians. Sin had been dealt with at the cross, but Jesus in coming back, back from the dead and the father raising him to life promises that there's new life for us forever with him. So that's how it came about. And to Peter, if you think about it, he who's writing this, well, that's a pretty certain place to have a hope, isn't it? He saw Jesus risen from the dead. He was there. Along with the other disciples, he ate with him and talked with him. So after telling us about how this new birth came about, Peter tells us what it will lead us to and what it has led us to as Christians. Um, he says two things. So the living hope, we have a living hope, is the first one. And let's look at that and then we'll look at the inheritance in verse four and five. So a living hope. Everyone lives in hope. It's, it's, it, we can't help it. We have to have hope. Um, the hope is the expectation of what's to come. So this lockdown has proven that. If you've spoken to any family members or anyone you know, they will have given one or maybe a whole host of things they hoped to be doing during this time. Uh, the leaflet we gave out to people spoke of some long-term hopes that will now be sort of lie in tatters because people don't have the, the, the money or the job to, to get them anymore. We all live in hope. And in conversations with family, I can guarantee someone's piped up and said something about things returning to normal. That's hope. The expectation of what's to come. We all live in hope. The real question is, what is the basis for that hope? What's it based on? We don't say, well, we say, don't we? I hope it won't rain tomorrow, but that only really means, oh, I quite like it not to. Not that I can be certain it won't. But the Christian hope isn't like that. We see that it is sure and certain. It is a living hope because it's based on Jesus and he is alive. It is a living hope. And that means it's sure and certain because it's based on Jesus and he is alive. In fact, he is the sole reason for our hope. That he rose from the grave is the reason we can have hope and uh, and a guarantee of what's to come. Jesus is our living hope. But the second thing Christians have when they're going through the mill, when they're facing hard times, even when they're not, is a lasting inheritance. And we see that in verses four to five. So let me read. So the first thing in, in verse three was we have been born again to a living hope. The second thing is there in verse four, to an inheritance. To an inheritance. So Christians have a lasting inheritance. Let me read verse four. It says to an, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. So it's an inheritance that lasts. The Jews would associate that word inheritance with one thing, with the land that Abraham promised or was promised to Abraham. And though they did inherit the land, it soon became defiled. So that's why it says undefiled, because the land, well, they were sinners. 
so it became defiled. That is, the impurity of the people who, uh, going into the land soon made it unclean. It was fading as well. As a result of their disobedience, it was taken from them. So that's what the Jews thinking when he hears inheritance. And yet this is saying you will have an inheritance that won't perish, be defiled or fade. Um, I went to Lakeside this week. I don't know if I've got the card here. Um, actually, I went just yesterday. Um, a friend of mine gave me a, a, a gift card for Lakeside. And there was quite quite a bit of money on there. Um, and so I wasn't going to just leave this gift card um, and, and, and not use it. Uh, but it, it did take me a while to get around to using it. And um, the main reason I went this weekend was this week it was announced that Into, who run Lakeside, are going into administration. So not long, probably, before the whole place is, li- is liquidated and they all have, you know, sold off, basically. And we were concerned that actually the, the gift card would no longer be valid. Uh, isn't it interesting that something that when that person gave it to me, they thought this was so certain. Lakeside is the, the, the biggest, strongest shopping retail unit or, or place. This is certain. Um, this is one of the places we can guarantee um, they'll be able to use this card for a long time. And yet that inheritance, that, that gift... It it was it wasn't certain. It wasn't sure. We we put all our um, efforts and our money and our energy into you know things that ultimately can be snatched away from us in an instant. Everything that is around us that we live for can just be taken away. And yet the Christ, for the Christian, their inheritance isn't like that we read about it in verse 5 verse 5 says it's kept in heaven for you it's under lock and key it's guarded it's secure god is keeping it in heaven for you it's an inheritance that can't be lost or taken away eternal life with him And actually, in verse five, the real encouragement there is that it says that we are being kept for that inheritance. It says Christians who, by God's power, are being guarded, that same word, through faith for that salvation. And it's ready to be revealed in the last time. So isn't it wonderful? Not only is the inheritance itself not going to suddenly crash and disappear, but we're not going to be written out of the will for this inheritance because it's all very well having a, a wonderful promise of an inheritance and it being a wonderful inheritance. But if we can somehow lose our way or or be written out of the will and God says, no, you're not having it anymore. It doesn't matter how great that inheritance was. We, you know, it wouldn't make any difference. Isn't it wonderful that God is guarding us? by his power, through faith, even when we're going through the hardest of times. And our faith might feel really weak and really small, but he sustains it because he's keeping us for that inheritance. This tells us that we've been given birth into a living hope held by the power of God. Um, 
So to those two things, we have a living hope and we have a lasting inheritance. God's power is guarding us through faith for, the, for that. This wonderful truth about who we are is what we need to know now. And we need to let it sink in. Because actually it will carry us and keep us through all of any trials we might face for being a Christian. We don't need anything else. In Jesus we have a living hope. He is alive. And that's a promise of what's to come. The future is certain with him. So verses 6 to 9, which is the rest of our passage, Paul, Peter isn't moving on to something else. Something else that's more important to know than that. No, no, no. That, what we've just said is the thing we need. But verses 6 to 9 is him applying what he's just said to our suffering. Three ways our living hope and lasting inheritance will change how we see our suffering. So look down at them. Let's read verses 6 to 9. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Three ways that this changes how we see suffering because of our lasting uh, inheritance and our living hope in Jesus. Well, verse six. Peter can actually say. Though for a little while, though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been grieved by various trials. He's, he's not belittling what they're going through, but he can actually say. Though now for a little while, if necessary. So their trials are short. In, in view of eternity, they're momentary. It might seem like an eternity from where you're standing, but from the perspective of, of eternity, it's just momentary. It's passing. The second thing we see is in verse 7. So look down at that. It says this. Um, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold than perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the second thing we see about suffering differently because of our hope is that trials actually make us a beacon of faith to others. Verse 7. The tested genuineness of your faith. The way we respond says a lot about the faith we have. And this is the thing. It both encourages believers, other Christians, and it challenges unbelievers. People see it. I don't know if you've had that experience, I don't, um, certainly in the Normans, um, when they were going through the whole situation with Bethan's pregnancy uh, with Hannah. You know, friends, family members, they see that. They see what you're going through and they see, they, they can see as clear as day what your hope is in. Whether your hope is in the outcome of that situation or whether your hope is in uh, something greater than the situation. 
So it's a real encouragement. It makes you a beacon of faith to others. That's what it says, that your faith is proved genuine because it continues through trials. Um, John Piper, um, famous American writer he and, and, and preacher, he, he wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Cancer on this theme. We tend to think of these things as, you know, they're interruptions to our life. They're you know, getting in the way of us living as Christians. No, no, no. They are us living as Christians. And we're most seen to be um, to have our hope in Jesus when we're going through those trials. So don't waste it. And it declares to unbelievers that we love Jesus, not because he gives us stuff. Because they probably assume that we think that God's a, a slot machine, a celestial slot machine. You know, we do our bit. He pays us back. And, 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 if, and if that's what they think, then it's going to challenge that assumption if we still trust him and follow him, even when life is uh, lies in tatters, doesn't it? Think of Job. You know, his friends were you know, saying give up on God, but he was trusting God in the trials he faced. Um, Jesus is more valuable than anything he can give us. And it result. Uh, let's look at the third thing. So in verse, uh, in that verse there, it says, it will result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the third and final thing that is different about our sufferings. They actually bring God glory. It's linked to what we just saw. Because if people are seeing a genuine faith and they're, they're, they're sitting up and, and looking and listening then it will bring God glory. So when you suffer as a Christian, it's not meaningless. It's not, it's got, it, something is to be gained from it. God is going to get the glory from that. And we're going to hear from Verona in just a moment. Um, I interviewed her yesterday. Um, that it, it humbles us, doesn't it, as Christians, when we go through trials. It, it forces us really to depend on God. God who says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So those are the three things. Trials last a little while. Trials make you a beacon of faith to others. And they bring God glory. So what should we take home from this? Well, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're just taking a look in to see what the big deal is. Well, the big deal is this. It's based on what Jesus has done. Our a living hope rests entirely on him and his resurrection. It's made possible through his death and his resurrection that we can have his eternal life. Whereas otherwise we'd be heading for hell and judgment. Wouldn't it be great to humbly see that we need that and to ask him to help us to see it? And you can join in the chat we have this, this evening at 8 o'clock um, on Same Again, where we'll be thinking about this a bit more. It's possible to think we're Christians just because we go to church. And you may actually have been told by Christians or people in church that faith will stop you suffering. You just need to have more faith and then you won't be going through these difficulties or these difficulties will somehow vanish. 
Well, this verse, these verses clearly says the opposite, doesn't it? That trials come to believers. And actually, these verses tell us where to, to look to see that a faith that is genuine. A problem-free life is not where you see where faith is genuine, but trials are. So the weak and wearied believer who's down on his knees and battered and bruised, but returns to the hope and certainty of Jesus and their future in him. That's a genuine faith. It's not the, the one who's conquering and you know saying, oh, I'm everything, I'm just taking things in my stride. No, no, no. You see it when people, when Christians go through trials, that's where you see their faith. And so that might be a challenge for you. Maybe you're more likely to turn you, to just go to God for the things that you need. And when you don't need anything, you don't go to him. Is your faith genuine? In the last trial, what was your reaction? Was it to go to him or was it to go uh, to another thing to, to bail you out? Something else that was your security. Why don't you have a think about that after this talk? The last trial I went through, what was my, I got that diagnosis. What was my initial reaction? Was it money? Was I going to go to that? Was I going to go to friends? Or was I going to go to Jesus and the hope that I have in him? For the Christian, that hope is yours. It's a living hope. It's sure, it's certain. Jesus is alive. Praise God that he did not stay dead. He is alive. And that proves that we will be taken uh, we, in death. We will go to be with him. And you have an inheritance that lasts. It won't spoil or fade. Everything else that we'll, we could um, get our delight from will fade. But he will not. And our inheritance is being kept for us. And we are being kept for that inheritance. On the days where you feel really wearied and just weighed down by life, by suffering, particularly for being a Christian, perhaps some of the things we saw earlier on. Or maybe you're wearied by your own sin. Know that God's power through faith is keeping you. And be encouraged and let other people encourage you with that as well, because you know, when we're going through it, we don't necessarily see it. We're going we're gonna to hear from Verona in just a moment, um, and she's going to share with us uh, an example of that. And I think it will encourage you to hear that. Faith, uh, faith through trials makes you a beacon to others. Uh, let's pray and then I'll play the video. Father, this is new to us we don't tend to think that trials could be part of your plan for us and particularly the trials that come from uh, other people's sin and and even our own sin but yet lord you're you're at work um to to make us um depend on you to see even more clearly um, the inheritance that we have in you and the hope that we have that's sure and certain. We thank you so much that it's, it's being kept for us and that Jesus rose from the grave and that he is alive. We praise you. Amen. <laughs> 